Really, there's three things that we leave behind as filmmakers that leave an impact. Number one, the vision that we have on a project. Yeah. Number two, the character that we have on set as a director, as a leader, as yes. somebody who's you know walking and nursing this this project into inception. Then there's number three, which is the impact that we leave behind with our films. Welcome back to the Corner Talks podcast. I have my good friend here. How's it going, man? Happy to be back. No, it shouldn't be about anything. Like, this is yeah. one life. Yep. One life? Like, fucking yeah. do it. My guy. She just got it. She totally understood it. 20 years old when I started just watching a lot of movies. How it, and it tells a story. I want to tell a story. Good friend, special guest, Renji Lee, who is a filmmaker and artist. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well this uh, lazy Sunday morning. How are you doing, Dan? Yeah, I'm doing well, too, man. I appreciate you uh, being a good sport, uh, waking up with me at Sunday morning and uh, killing it on this podcast, you know, sharing your journeys, your experiences as a storyteller. Honestly, I appreciate being here. And if uh, for you and for anybody else who's watching and listening, the viewers out there, hopefully we can give you some gems in the next couple of hours. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. I'm not paid to do this, but just wanted <laughs> to, you know, share some support and love. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that, man. That actually means a lot. Always, uh, you know, uh, feel gratitude towards uh, my guests or uh, my audience, I should say, uh, that show the love and support. I've been uh, feeling that ad adulation uh, quite recently um, with a lot of guests that have come on. So just uh, an indication to me that we're making progress with the podcast. Uh, it's exactly what it's supposed to be, making a safe space, uh, an inclusive community uh, of all these uh, like-minded individuals uh, to, again, share their story, share their journey and their experiences. So uh, thank you for that. I uh, really appreciated that, Renji. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And one more shout out. I want to shout out my boy who bought me this hat for Christmas. Uh, Sam. Yeah, for sure. He bought me this hat. He's like, Renji, this this is a red hat. It, it's a director's hat. It'll be a power statement. And I'm like, it's man, true. I don't I don't think I need any more power. I just need some yeah. more, you know, like just to chill. But um, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to, I told him I'd wear this hat for this podcast. So I just wanted to, to put this hat on. Yeah. yeah, Tarantino wears a hat like that, I think. Um, it was black, <laughs> but I think he wore it on like Death Proof or Kill Bill or something like that. Or maybe Jackie Brown. But I, I saw him in uh, some behind the scenes wearing that hat. So it's definitely a power hat if Tarantino's wearing Honestly, it. Honestly, <laughs> I've never seen Asian people wear hats like this. But If you want to emulate that energy. <laughs> we're starting to wave. There we go. <laughs> you're, you're getting there. No, it's uh, very vibrant. Um, you know, I, it stood out to me uh, right when I signed in on the podcast. So, um, yeah, kudos to your friend. Uh, keep killing it uh, with his business. Appreciate you, Sam. All right. Yeah, okay. for sure. So Renji, like I said, it's a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast after we connected over the holidays and passionately shared our adulation for filmmaking and cinema. And understanding your commendable respect for the craft, I feel compelled to inquire about your ambitious pursuits and becoming an established storyteller through film. So I want to know from you now, like, how did you become first involved in the film industry? Oh, wow. Okay, good question. Um, first, getting started in the film industry, honestly, I would probably have been a young child because I would have been a consumer of film first. Of course. You know, being a first-generation immigrant to Canada, watching TV, that's CBC, that's TVO Kids, growing up around that YTV and Fox, these things to me is how I first learned English. This is how I learned about the culture and what's going on here um, besides being outside. So being a consumer is probably where I got started. And then in my teenage years, I started making films and I got to shout out another one of my buddies who I haven't seen for a long time. His name is Caesar. He was cutting my hair in my house. Okay. And we were, uh, we were just hanging out and he was, we were watching Batman and I was like, yo, I think this and this and this is going to happen. He's like, that can't happen. 
so what happened? And he's like, yeah, well, you think you're so smart. Well, why don't you do it? So that was when I was 17. That got my first uh, short film made that summer with him in it. And uh, I remember how extremely awkward, embarrassing, but exciting and exhilarating it was in the experience. For sure. And uh, that was probably the first thing I really directed. Also went to school for kinesiology and with the intention of being a doctor. Oh, wow. <laughs> Switching from being a doctor, getting into the communications media and film program. That's wow. how I became uh, a filmmaker and, uh, you know, been building on that career since then and came back to Toronto, did some freelance, started, you know, doing my own projects and I'm, I'm lucky to be where I am today. Yeah, that's a, that's a well put together story and, uh, you know, highly uh, familiar. I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. I know I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's very interesting that you said, you know, coming to Canada and like, um, the environment kind of uh, shaped and influenced uh, your passion uh, for the craft, right? For cinema. Um, and it's what kind of directly led you uh, through the people you surround yourself with, right? Like your friend Caesar there, cutting your hair and introducing you to an array of films. Um, Batman, what what a great film to, <laughs> to be introduced to. Um, but yeah, no, I was discussing with other creatives on the podcast, like, you know, the cities in which like we grew up in, um, how we all share this like universal passion, right? For film, like it, it is in a sense, a universal language, right? It doesn't matter where you're from. We all kind of identify uh, with the story. That is if the story is simple, right? Like um, a strong resonating story uh, will be simple. I mean, sorry, will be uh, impactful if it's boiled down to its most simplistic level, right? Um, that anyone can kind of understand. And I think that's how we all um, seem to kind of like share that uh, connection. And, you know, interestingly enough, like, I love how you were mentioning that you were made that transition from kinesiology to communications and media. And, you know, with the efforts, with the hopes of becoming like a director, uh, which you're you're (laughs) exploring now, but uh, at the time, like that was an audacious, um, courageous kind of move. And I'm curious, you know, because someone that's like an immigrant um, who comes from an immigrant family, right? Like Mm -hmm. I myself identify, I'm first generation, but like, Again, like having an Italian household, you know, being identifying with if you're not a doctor or lawyer working for the government, mm-hmm. what are you doing with your life? Mm-hmm. How are you able to make such a decision like that? That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So definitely a good question. I want to come back to something first, which is yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, an immigrant yeah. and having different sure, countries. Man. Yeah. I think what's really cool about film is film is the cheapest airplane you'll ever take. You'll be able right. to go ahead and see places just by switching the channel. You don't even have to leave your front door, but you can go around the world. And I think that's really cool. And especially in the places I travel, like when we shot No Minorities in Macedonia, being able to see all these things and share them with other people to say, hey, I came here and this is what this is like. This is what their culture is like. I think that there's an extreme amount of potential to make impact through film. To come back to the medical point, honestly, dropping out. um, I was just at the point where I was like, I love medical school. I actually got scholarships to go back to school. Oh, wow. But um, like my grades are good. I'm. I don't want to say I'm Asian, but I I'm. I'm a no, no. But about stuff. yeah, you were definitely academically inclined. There's mm-hmm. no shame in that. That's amazing, man. Yeah. So I mean, for me personally, it was just like I couldn't see myself going to school for another ten years. And looking back, because it would have been probably it would have been ten years since I left university for or sure. when I started university. I look back now and I'm like the life experiences I've gained, the amount of trips and failures and bruised knees and you know, scrapes that I've taken have made me a better person than if I just stayed in that sheltered environment, that bubble more of well-rounded in the zap and good food yeah. and tuition and all that stuff. Gotcha. Um, I think life experience is probably the most important. And um, although it would have been cool to be a doctor and I still like healing, I'm still big into, you know, medicine <laughs> yeah. and learning about the body and biohacking. All for that sure. stuff. I, I wouldn't trade the path that I took scrapes and all for uh, where I am today. Wow, that that's truly fascinating, man. And, and I'm so like, 
proud that you said that. Um, it's actually reassuring for a lot of filmmakers, like a creatives like myself, um, who are not as academically inclined, you know, to pursue a, a career as a doctor. But at the same time, like I know what it's like to to be in university and you know, kind of go through academia and not feeling the most motivated, uh, creatively inspired. And um, I, I had like, you know, there were t times when I wanted to drop out or transfer. Um, I stuck it through. I, I graduated with a marketing degree and it serves me uh, to this day. Um, so again, like speaking to the notion of not having any regrets. Uh -huh. um, but at the same time, like I, I highly understand, uh, you know, what, having that conviction within yourself to like go after something that uh, only you um, can relate to, right? Um, only you can identify with. And regarding the, the scrapes and bruises and the trips, like that's something that I'm kind of uh, starting to starting to see clearly. Um, I think as I approach, um, you know, my thirties, <laughs> as I wrap up my, my late twenties, uh, I believe we're similar in age. Kind of, yeah. 94. Yeah. There, there you go. That's right. That, I was like, I feel like we're similar in age. That's right. We're exactly the same age. Um, that's what it is, right? Like when you're in your early twenties, like everybody's kind of doing the same thing. And then as you get older, you start to realize like, you embrace uniqueness, you know what I mean? Individualism. And I, I enjoy the fact that I'm well-rounded. Um, we don't know where it's going to take us exactly, but um, it's much better than living a safe and secure uh, lifestyle that um, we gain no kind of uh, life experiences from. Yeah. Um, what I actually find funny about that is it's, it was the guy who plays piano inside the, uh, the subway station. He told me this a couple of years ago. He said, okay. son, a boat is safest on shore. But that's not what a boat's built for. And it makes me think about life and how we were built for more. Right. Because if you have a dream, there are some people who want to have a dream. And just having the dream is enough for them to go and wake up every day and feel motivated, even if they have no intention to chase the dream. And those yeah. people could be like, man, I want to be this. I want to be that. If they don't take action towards it, it's always what could have been. And some people find hope in that kind of idea. And that's beautiful, too. But for me, I'm feeling like, man, if I have... I'm the adventurous guy who says, if I have a chance to make the dream a possibility, I will do everything I can to make that dream come true. So that's yeah. that's kind of where I put myself there. Um, I love that attitude. Yeah. To come back to it for you, in terms of you, like when when you made that decision to become a filmmaker, what were some of the major challenges you faced there? Oh, that's very interesting. I love that you <laughs> deflected it to me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I enjoy that. Um, challenges kind of I faced, uh, I think initially was um, family. Um because they didn't support like believe in me and uh, my talent uh, it was more out of fear again i come from an immigrant household and i'm the only one that was audacious enough to kind of challenge you know the family head on and say like i want to do something creative um mm -hmm. you have to understand like i have cousins cpas and you know work for the governments and things yeah. like that so mm -hmm. i'm i'm an oddball i'm a black sheep um but i have to say like everybody has been really encouraging um no one for, as far as i know has been like talking crap about me or like mm -hmm. you know uh, try to belittle me in any way i think it's again coming back to fear and that's what i as i get older i understand now i'm very privileged i'll say it straight up like i'm not going to bullshit anyone on the podcast and say like you know oh i i dropped everything and i had to work it out whatever and 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 go through the the mud whatever yeah i went through you know the shit of it um to 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 achieve like you know where i am in the sense of getting contacts and clients and having people want to work with me mm -hmm. but in terms of like having an income or in terms of having an education in terms of having shelter and food and things like that i wasn't living paycheck to paycheck i have the fortune of living at home uh -huh. um you know i have the fortune that that's how they show their support um but i also don't take advantage of that right like i'm always working <laughs> you know i take breaks yes here mm -hmm. and there but I'm not the kind of kid that plays, you know, eight hours of video games. You know what I mean? Like, and I know, and I say that because I know kids that are like that, 
And then they say, well, not, it's not easy to pursue your dreams. I'm like, well, yeah, but if you sacrifice certain things, uh, maybe you'll have the time and the energy to pursue them, right? Like it's a give and a take. Um, it's like, I'm fully aware of my surroundings. I'm fully aware of my capabilities, like what I'm privileged with. And it's like, mm -hmm. why not take advantage in a sense to pursue your passion, to pursue your dreams? As Gary Vee says, you know, someone that you and I both uh, idolize. It's like your 20s is the time to take your risks. It's the time to go all out and, and, and fall on your ass and get back up. And I understand what he means by that is like, I'm starting to learn that. I mean, as I approach my 30s, you know, responsibilities only increase, you know what I mean? Whether it's payments and, um, you know, if you meet someone, if you get married, if you have a kid, it just only increases. Like the chances of that are only increasing. So it's like your 20s, of course, you're going to want to go out there and, and, and make it your own, you know what I mean? And carve your own path. It's always something that I wanted. So yeah, the challenges were mostly uh, with family. And I would say also um, going back to like acquiring clients and networking events. I didn't go to film uh, school. I didn't go to anything related to film. It was business. Mm -hmm. I have a Bachelor of Commerce degree. So you can imagine my network, <laughs> my community. Uh, I had no idea even where to start with me. Um, so that was probably the most challenging. I dealt with a lot of drawbacks and a lot of people telling me like no. And a lot of people just really not giving me the time of day. Um, but I only understood that I quickly understood the only way to prove myself is to actually showcase my talents. And that is mm. through, you know, work. Um, and that's something that you and I, I know familiarized with. So uh, what about yourself? Like any challenges when you kind of like first uh, made that choice, like right after kind of like making that transition or make up until the point of your first film? Uh, how well, are the I'm challenges there? Yeah, yeah I'm going to come back to you and first say that I relate to you in terms of like my parents. I come from a line of doctors, engineers and teachers. Wow. So for from people to come from this kind of pedigree to something completely different, number one, even like my parents had doubts, like, I don't know anybody in this industry. We are new to this country and we don't know anybody here who can do that. So really, right. if you want to do it, you're on your own. Yeah. And at the beginning, I realized I'm okay with that. Like, I'm always like, as an only child, I came here, whatever, whoever is there to play on the playground, I will go and make friends with them because <laughs> yeah. there is nobody else. I like that. And yeah. you know what, to be honest, you know, that kind of um, willingness and openness to experience, I think, is probably one of the big things. The other thing that was tough was, you know, coming from a place where we didn't really have a film background. Like, you know, some people have uh, filmmaker parents or uh, parents who are in the industry. Yes. And so that's, and you know what, I, I, I want to say it's an advantage. And I think people should take advantage of whatever privilege they have. Everything helps. They can go ahead. And <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it definitely can elevate them. But for me, like, you know, for being somebody who started at the bottom, um, really, number one, being willing to share your work. Because mm -hmm. you might be looking at something. Like I look at, I actually, I went to, uh, I filmed something with my friends in grade seven and eight. We had a production. Oh, wow. Probably the first videos we made in grade seven and eight because we had nothing else to do. Right. I went back and I saw my friend in Halifax and I watched these videos with him. And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, these are really, really cringe. Number two, I can s still see like, certain things and elements of what I had there 15 years ago, of course, I yeah. see in the films I'm making now. And so for people to see your work is vitally important, in my opinion, not only so that they can understand that you're doing something, but they can also give you critique and advice going forward. I mean, what do you think about that? No, no, I, I, I love that idea. And um, the thing is, is like, I just like think the, the takeaway from your story is that you were making films back in uh, when you're 
12 years old, 13. Like I made a couple mm -hmm. videos yeah, yeah. Uh, for school purposes, you know what I mean? Like yeah, projects. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that, that's what I mean by like, everyone's different. And again, a testament to like you pursuing your craft. It's like, I didn't even have the, the confidence or, uh, you know, or, or the abilities to, to have my work being showcased mm -hmm. at that age. Like it wasn't until probably I was uh, 20, 21 that I made my first like short and there was like no dialogue or anything. It was just music over visuals. Um, so what I'm saying is like, yeah, like just goes to show like people have been doing this for a long time. Like when you said 15 years, I'm like, yeah, wow. Like you've been at it, you know? And, but just to see the progress, um, Going back to your question, sorry, what, was, what were you asking me about, uh, like, how do I, if I feel like a f familiarity, like with uh, what you were describing? Yeah, I mean, going back I'm, I'm going to give you another question, which is like, yeah, you yeah, think about sure. the films that you made between like grade, like zero and 18, all the films that you made before you were 18. Imagine you had a film festival one day and yeah. you just had to show an anthology of all the films that you made, all of the shitty films that you made. I mean, if you, if you consider them that, but no, for sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering how you would feel. Cause I'm asking myself the same. Honestly, right I now. would feel, yeah. 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 Uh, to interject there, like I would feel great. Um, I actually got excited at that notion and I'll tell you why is because I've already like sat down and gone through it. And I know what you mean by like the cringe <laughs> and, and gone through, uh, the muck of it and, and just kind of like viewing all these films, um, from the moment I started till up until now, and there was a sense of pride uh, with the progression. And there's, a, I'm glad you brought that up because with my YouTube channel, there's, there's a reason why I keep um, all my videos up there um, that you can find from when I first made. And, you know, people- Check out his YouTube channel. Yeah, Please. check out my YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, especially, if yeah. especially if you're watching this video <laughs> version. Um, no, but I'm just gonna say is like, if you look at my array of films, like everything that I put out there, like people will eventually say, oh, like, are you going to actually like take it down if you make it or when you make it or as you become more established, like, because you want to show more professional work. And I said, no, there's there's, there's actually like this sense of uh, responsibility that I want to put uh, films um, that when I first started out, because again, I'm after, I'm looking after the guy that started off like us, like from the bottom and like doesn't know anybody and feels discouraged. It's like, I want them to like one day, like revere me, see me as Daniel Calderon, the filmmaker, the director. Mm -hmm. And then see the first film that he made and how crap it was. Or the first podcast episode I should mention as well. Like any creative endeavor that I pursued, I want them to see the first kind of like iteration of that. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's what's so important for me. So yes, I, I'm definitely comfortable with that idea. I actually, get, you actually planted a seed. Uh, I might actually do that one day. You know what, we should, we uh, should have a, a film theater. festival yeah. and have five directors and just that's show their saying. first works and then show their current works. And that would I be like that. a festival day. I think that'd be cool. And, that'd be a sick idea. But I'm going to come back to that because if you take, if you, if you think about it, you might've been, I remember being grade seven and making this and laughing and being like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I didn't watch it for another 10, 15 years. I come back now and I'm like, I, I laugh. There's tears of joy, but honestly, it's cringe. And I'll, I'll come back to you and I'll say this, which is something that you were proud of now, you might yep. not be proud of later. And something exactly. that you might not be proud of uh, now, you might be very proud of later. So this whole thing about critique I think it's really important as artists for us to accept that we'll never be perfect and that perfection is something we strive towards because otherwise, like, you know, the amount of self-talk, the amount of unhealthy self-talk and critique that you can have with yourself can really be detrimental to yourself as an artist and as a human being, like even your mental health. So um, I think it's really having that perspective that no matter what it is, this is where I am. And I'm, I, I usually say this analogy, I say, listen, Let's say you made a film and the film is really bad. Yeah. But it's still your film. It's like if you had a child and your child was really ugly, <laughs> you had a really ugly baby. Like, I don't care what anybody says. That's still my child. I will take care of that child like my own. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, what do you think about that?
No, no, that's true, man. Uh, you, I love that you embrace the notion of uh, there's no such thing as uh, perfection uh, because I think we're all trying to tell a perfect story. That's what makes us creative. Uh, that's what motivates everyone. But the reality is, is there's no such thing as a perfect story because if there were, right, we would all, a perfect story is everyone unanimous, unanimously agreeing this is a perfect story and then that, that would be it, right? Like let's say Godfather, the Godfather 1972 was a perfect story, right? Movies would cease to exist after that. Like the, I'm not kidding. That, that's how I look at it. It's like the world would stop. But no, the reason why creatives like us exist and have been for generations and generations after us is because there's always that one guy in the room that when he watches a perfect movie, a so-called perfect movie, he's saying to himself, I could tell an even better one or I could tell one that, that I'm going to tell a story that's considered perfect. You know what I mean? And that relentless pursuit is why we uh, are here today. You know what I mean? So it's like, I love that idea where there's no such thing as perfectionism. Like for me, I'm always trying to make my work as perfect as possible. And what I quickly realize is no matter what piece of work that I'm proud of, I always look back and I'm always like, wow, I should have done it differently. Or I cringe at certain parts or I wince. And I'm like, oh. that's, that's part of the craft. You know what I mean? And that's how you become better, right? Is if you can look at your work and open and honestly say, I need to improve. You know what I mean? It's not, if you're always putting your blinders on and you're narrow-minded, you'll never improve. You'll never um, experiment. You'll never be willing to take risks and you'll never be able to like, you know, progress uh, really at the craft. Yeah. Two things I want to say to that. I mean, number one is when it comes to progressing at the craft, mm -hmm. if, if you ever watched, like you remember when there were DVDs and you had like the actual DVD and then you had like the director's cut or like yeah, yeah, yeah. The behind the scenes feature. I haven't gotten to that. I have like all like the home video and stuff, but I haven't yeah. gotten to those discs in a long time, but yeah, for sure. But it's like, you know, you know, you watch like the director's commentary and they're like, Oh, this was difficult and this wasn't perfect. And we had issues. Here. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, man, if these big directors feel the same way as I do now, I just got to realize it's a part of the process and, and, you know, work my way through that. And I think, I think a lot of it is really kind of like mental gymnastics. And, um, and I think part of it is also being spiritual because, you know, um, going back to the idea of chasing your dreams, yeah, they say in Buddhism that, you know, everyone experiences pain, but suffering is optional. So it's like, mm -hmm. you could choose the pain of chasing your dreams, or you could chase, choose the pain of not chasing your dreams, mm. which one is going to make you happy. Cause you're going to get, you're going to face some kind of pain somewhere. You'll always be uncomfortable somewhere. Um, and the, the second thing I want to say is as a first generation immigrant, mm -hmm. work life balance is also important because when you come here, your parents have a certain expectation. You're going to come, you're going to be successful. You're going to be able to take care of yourself and provide for your family. Yes. But of course, while being, you know, a salaried full-time employee and also right. being a creative on the side, there's definitely some, uh, some, some challenges that come with that. Like, you know, I think we talked about the idea of burnout last time. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad you brought that up in terms of the work-life balance because this is something that I am highly fascinated with and uh, uh -huh. curious about uh, every time I speak to a creative because I get this a lot, right? Like people say, like, what do you do full-time? Like, what's your bread and butter? And as much as I want to say, like, oh, I'm a filmmaker, right? The reality is, is we got to pay the bills because we're not um, at a Tarantino level yet. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to know from you because I read on your Instagram profile that uh, you work for TD Corporate. How do you balance your full-time job working at uh, a company like that with a vastly demanding venture like filmmaking? Absolutely. I'm, I mean, so yeah, like I, I do work at TD in the daytime and I usually work in film in the evenings and weekends. Okay. This way I can actually balance the two. And I'm actually really great because TD is a company that has a lot of benefits and support. So for example, um, the vacation days that I've taken, I usually take vacation days to actually go and shoot other projects. 
So that will allow me, yeah. for, for example, a certain amount of shoot days per Smart. year. And that's something I'm, I'm really blessed in. The yeah. other thing is it's like one step, one call at a time is a great way to get ahead. So for example, I'm focusing my day job. I'm there for however many hours it takes to get the job done. And then I'll say, okay, what else can I plan in the evening? So my day could look like, you know, work, workout, dinner, take like a quick break for yourself, and then another few hours of work. And being nice. able to do this, let's say it's an extra, you know, three, four hours a night, take that, multiply it by, let's just say five, not six. So that's like 20 hours a week, 20 hours a week, multiplied by 52, you're going to get close to another thousand. So it's me putting an extra thousand hours in into my craft like rather that. than doing nothing or saying, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and wait. Because um, the truth is, is that time never waits for us. And I think that, you know, for, for somebody to have both sides, you're going to have to really be willing to outwork your peers and at the mm -hmm. same time delegate. Um, yeah. You know, when you go ahead, you, you can't run forever. That's how you get burnt out. You know, when you run the edge of course, that's how it gets burnt yeah. out. But the, but the great thing about film is I could go ahead and do this. Once I finish this part, maybe it's time for me to go ahead and leave it with the editor or the sound mixer. I can go ahead and supervise them maybe for one hour every couple of days, but then they can take the work and I can cool my engine while they're heating up theirs. This way, when they're frustrated and they say, hey, man, I think I got it. You need to come over. I'm tired. I can come and inject the energy. So I it's really that. about, you know, um, they say life is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, yep. filmmaking is a relay race, not a marathon. <laughs> That's so, so true. Yeah. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I love that the key takeaway from that with delegation, like that's something that I've um, come to realize uh, as you become more sophisticated and, um, you know, the projects become more elaborate, uh, mm -hmm. like a recent project that I'm working on now called Demon, um, it's in post-production. So I have someone working on the color grading and someone working on the sound mixing, right? Now, I before that, <laughs> I would do everything. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can imagine right now, that's just the nature of the craft. You have to like indie filmmaking, you got to do it all your own. But now that I've acquired these contacts, Again, as you do more projects, hey, this guy, did you know he's an expert in this? Or did you know this guy studied that? It's like, instead of doing it all myself and burning out or just hating my life because event, it's so exhausting. I started to like uh, position myself more um, in the role of a filmmaker, like a director, I mean, um, like someone that sees the vision all the way through and is the ability to delegate certain tasks. Um, I still edit, right? I still write. I still do the one, the, the, the you know, what's required of me if needed. But if there's someone that's more talented, more in an expert field, of course, I'm going to send them all my notes. I'm very thorough. So I have no problem with that. Uh, the question is, is who's going to be taking on the task, right? Um, and, and the great thing about that yeah. is you're giving somebody the chance to do the job they love. For example, somebody might love editing and you might be like, I feel no ways about it. Iffy about it, yeah. So therefore, when you give them the job, it's a win-win because they want to edit a great project and you want to give someone else the role to edit that great project. So you can- I love that. That's actually so positive. Yeah. yeah. I love that. that. That's amazing. And, and back to your notion about like what you were describing Buddhism, what are the teachings? It's like pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. It's how you interpret situations, right? Um, like you could see it as like, oh, I can't deal with this. Give it to someone else. Let them worry about this boring stuff. Or it's more like, no, like, let me find someone that's um, more of an expert in this field, more uh, talented, but also more enthusiastic, <laughs> you know, because like you said, there are people, it's crazy to me, actually, like I was working with someone, they're like, oh, I love being the director of photography. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? Like you like 
shooting. He's like, yeah, I just love, you know, capturing the shots and dealing with the director. And I'm like, oh, so you wouldn't want to transition into a director role? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I just like to hear the notes and like how I should position the camera and that's it. For me, I can't comprehend that because it's like, I got to be part of the whole process. I got to like see how the vision all the way through. I just can't be relegated to one role. But yeah, these yeah. guys like that I deal with, <laughs> no, I'm serious. These guys that, and yeah. that's what I mean. Confirmation more is like, I'm a director is like, I need to see the whole vision all the way through. But these people that they're just happy, they're more than satisfied. They're phenomenally gifted at what they do. I cannot do it by the way. Like the, the director of photography I was dealing with, shout out to Sam uh, Mapaduran, like he killed it. And he was uh, very knowledgeable. He knew all the technical aspects of what was involved. If I needed a certain shot, a certain way, but I wasn't able to do it if it wasn't there, you know what I mean? Like he, he took the reins for that. Right. And I'd be more than happy to like stand back to have the humility to say, yeah, I don't know this field. You can take care of this. And that's what delegation is. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Cause the truth is I am not good at everything. And, yeah. but, but to come back to the point, you know, like, especially owning a media company and working in film, right. you got to realize that everyone's good at something. So if you can say, for example, if you're Nick nurse, you know you got to put these players in these positions. Yes. So, you know, you, you don't put Steph Curry in the paint and you don't put Shaq on the free throw line. So so what I'm saying is, <laughs> like, you, you, you got to find where everyone's strengths and weaknesses are and what they like doing. If what they Generally, what people like doing is also their strength. So if you can find where everyone likes to be and put them in that position, you've now created a formation that can actually go ahead and be more efficient. Like like the movie 300, when you go ahead and put all the soldiers in a phalanx, having some kind of organization will actually allow you to magnify and you know exponentiate your efforts. And especially as somebody who doesn't have a lot of time, that's exactly what you need. You need to go ahead and just be laser focused right on down. Yeah, and it all comes back to like you were explaining uh, mental health, right? In service mm-hmm. of that, um, and making sure it's maintained and relegated. Like you know, a common subject I openly discuss uh, with creatives, and I enjoy it for that matter, is the matter of mental health. Um, the often tumultuous nature of this prolific endeavor, like you know, <laughs> filmmaking that is, can prove mm-hmm. to be have dire consequences. You know, on artists' energy, stamina, and confidence levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself included. Several creative individuals have explicitly expressed their experiences with burnout. Uh, that's something yes, that you yes, touched yes, on yes. as well. Right. Mm. So I want to know, like, how do you handle your own mental health, especially during periods of high stress or self-doubt? Most definitely. I'll bring it back to Lightfest 2, which was our latest action film in the Lightfest series. This film uh, we shot in 2021. In total, between 2021 pre-production to actually release and being in uh, like festivals and premiering, that took me. 1800 hours and the reason i know this is because I, I wrote it down like estimate you clocked over it the past, <laughs> over the past like it. x amount of months this is how right, many right. hours i've spent on it yeah, even yeah. the amount of hours i spent driving and getting yeah, yeah. From place to place so that was a lot of time and i'll tell you i had a lot of I, I i kind of broke this down this is how i was able to manage burnout and all the high expectations of a film there were five s's so for success i needed sleep sacrifice support systems and self-checks wow so i love that you created that yourself or you you i just i just made part of that idea i mean i'm sure it's like i'm sure the idea oh sure it's somewhere i know that's pretty cool i'm gonna write that down actually yeah that's amazing success sleep sacrifice support system and self-checks and here's what i meant for example i'm gonna start with support system so shout out to everybody on the life fest crew um probably took about 65 people to actually make this film happen now to come back to this there were times where i was so tired I was like, listen, I can't do this anymore. But I had an editor. I want to shout out to Akeem and Vass. And they were just like, listen, I will take this. You tell me what is needed to be done. We'll spend an hour talking about it and I'll take it. 
10 hours later, I'll come back next week and, you know, the, the next two, three scenes are done. And I'm like, thank God everything is great because you're in my life and you're helping make this happen. And they're willing to do it because they also find passion and joy in it. So finding the right people to support you is important. The other thing I want to come back to support. For sure. You need to have an accountability partner, but not just yeah. like, oh, did you get this stuff done? It's like, yo, how are you doing this week mentally? I love that. You said you're working <laughs> 70 hours this week. Yeah. Last week was 60. What's this extra 10 hours like for you? How are you feeling? Sometimes you need somebody to just be like, yo, remember you're doing this for a reason. Don't forget about why you're here. You you drive a car every 10,000 miles that says go to the mechanic. You go ahead and you're in MMA. You got a one minute break between every five second rounds. You cannot keep the engine on all the time. And especially when it comes to burnout, knowing that you can take a step back and having somebody else you know, uh, drive for you is probably the best way to drive because they say when you want to go quicker, you go alone. But if you want to go for a longer period of time, yeah. you go with somebody. So, so true. Um, to me, I think that's important. The other thing I want to talk about is biohacking, which if you want to go ahead and be successful, you should biohack. And uh, like, that's like, for example, me drinking this tea. Uh, like, I don't even know who like the Chinese place downtown. I got this from. Yeah. Yeah. Of course it's good tea, goji berries, making sure that like you know you're taking good care of your body yes if you don't exercise. have this engine you're not getting anywhere yeah exercise sleep um the right times to sleep using the the circadian clock and actually like uh the rhythm of the the world so for example right now i look tired and it's because i am tired i had a late night but i also had an early morning because i know huh. if i wake up in a certain time my brain will be in this kind of like I don't know if it's theta or alpha mind state. Right. And having this mind state and this brain wave, it actually allows me to be more creative. So like, I'll know if I wake up, I got a, a pen and a paper by my bed. I can just grab it, close my eyes 30 seconds, like 30 minutes and oh, just wow. write whatever comes to mind. And then I'll wake up, I'll read it. I'll be like, holy, like, what am I? And um, yeah, like just taking advantage of your body and your mind. I just find it's a better way to, you know, just get more juice from the squeeze. Yeah, it all comes back to routine and uh, being organized. I love that. Um, that's something that people uh, take for granted, especially our generation, right? Like everyone's all over the place. <laughs> they sleep yeah, at a certain yeah. time, sleep during the day. Like it's mm -hmm. cool, right? But I love that you have, uh, you know, a system in place, right? Uh, sistemado, as we say in Italian. like Sistemado. Yeah, <laughs> like it's so important to have that because um, that's essentially it. Like when I wake up, you know, uh, the snooze button or like, you know, at a time that I'm not supposed to, uh -uh. um, you know, late in the day, like my brain is completely off. My brain's fried, actually. Like I can't even formulate words and thoughts like this podcast mm -hmm. would be a mess. Um, so I kind of push myself um, to get to bed at a good time, a decent mm -hmm. time, and mm -hmm. then wake myself up at a certain time. But I love that you said all about, uh, you know, having uh, the four S's. That was a huge insight. But uh, just going back to like the accountability aspect, like for me, um, I don't really have people like saying, did you get it done? Like sometimes here and there, like it'll yeah. be like uh, not a ruthless way. It's just more like, you know, uh, an inquisitive way. Like, um, oh, they're they're just curious about if the project has been completed because they're excited yeah. to see it kind of thing. Right. Because my discipline is pretty um, well established. But at the same time, there's the accountability in the sense of like my parents, especially my mom, like close supporter, like she tells me like, would take a break you don't need to work on that today or why don't you relax or like why don't you wow and that, god bless mothers god bless yeah mothers. right god bless mothers no seriously man like that to me again seeing it from a, another perspective because when we're working right like 
I don't know about you when I'm working, I'm thinking in my head, no one's taking a break. Everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's going all in like you, right? Like thousand hours, let's get it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And my mom will come along and say, take a break, take a, you know, the way she talks to me, she's like, you don't need to work. You're not getting paid for this. Or like, again, <laughs> like the, yeah. you don't really need to, depending on how you handle it. Like some people would say like, well, that's the whole point. Like that's why you're tenacious and like grinding it out. Mm-hmm. But I get what she means. It's like, don't kill yourself in the process. You know what I mean? That's what we mean by like burning out. Like don't, get to that point because she always tells me straight up she's like if you get to that point of no return guess what your dream will falter as well and I've, I've taken that very seriously so if there are times when I just don't feel it or my like I have the discipline to push myself past you know that whole feeling of motivation like if I don't have it I still pursue it mm-hmm. but at the same time like if I like talking about your biohack <laughs> if my body man is not functioning at full capacity like optimally I won't push myself like especially with my brain I need everything to be functioning because I'll just pay the consequences later and the work won't be worth it either. Right. You'll just get more bitter and more resentful about it. Um, so like what I mean is that the, to distinguish, you know, those individuals that say, Oh, I'm not motivated. So I'm not going to do it today. It's like, no, 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 there's not being motivated. And then there's not having the energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And that there's two different mm-hmm. things. Like for me, it's like, I'm not always motivated. You know what I mean? I'll wake up some days and say, why am I doing this? Like who's listening yeah. to this podcast? I'll, I'll be honest. Like that's how I talk to myself, but I still push myself to make the reels, to make the clips, whatever, because there are those people that are, are watching it. And besides that, I'll be honest is because I enjoy doing it. I really love putting out this podcast. Like I believe it'll go far, but I'm not doing it because of that uh, promise of success or, or that idea, that inclination. It's because I just genuinely love talking to people and learning about their stories. You know what I mean? And it's a great networking tool for me. Um, so that's what kind of pushes me past the, the concept of motivation is to be disciplined in that you're doing this for a greater reason. Right now, if you have no energy, right, like you're exhausted, you have black eyes, red eyes, you come back from a surgery, which I went through a surgery this past month. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wouldn't advise pushing yourself, right, mm-hmm. because you'll pay the consequences later. And there's such a thing as taking a break to stimulate your mind. So when you do return, mm-hmm. you'll be more uh, ready for the day, right, ready for the for the task at hand. Um, so I, I, I was going to talk to you about remedies, but that those are kind of like the remedies that I kind of instill for myself. Would you say that? what kind of remedies do you do other than like the teas and you exercise or anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. So number one, getting enough sunshine. I know so many artists are literally in the basement you need that. And I'm going to tell you, um, people don't think it makes a difference. Yeah. But for me, I know if I don't get outside, if I don't get enough like aerobic exercise because of my blood type, yes, I know that I'm not going to feel as well when it gets to the daytime and that's going to affect my mental health. The other thing I want to come back to you and talk about is the idea of that kind of work-life balance, because if you check it out, yes, you're a filmmaker, you want to go ahead and make something, show the world, let them feel something. You, For me, I want to leave a legacy, I because I know there will be one day on this earth that I will no longer be here. So I, I want to that. leave something for my children and their children and everyone else, the inhabitants of the future, so that they can go ahead and take that and say, you know what, I feel something and I'm inspired by this to do, act, or 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 learn about something for me personally though it's like there's a million other filmmakers in this world who can inspire yeah. other people yeah. my mother only has one son so coming yeah. back to your mom comment about her wanting you to take a break like when i have kids they're only going to have one father my my parents are only going to have one son so when i look back at it at the same time i got to take care of myself if i'm the golden goose and i lay the golden eggs you can have as many golden eggs as you want but you're not going to get another golden goose. So really to take care of yourself, I think is, is going to be uh, really important on that side. And the other thing is to, for people who really do suffer, 
you need to consult with a mental health professional. For I, yeah. I really support therapy. Like people, I love, therapy, I love that. I love that. I love that. And not even to talk about your traumas, but like, let's say you're a filmmaker, you're having a hard time with your production, but you're the showrunner, so you got to do it. Somebody like that should have a therapist to help them there as an accountability partner. What's going on? Did the producer swear at you again? Did the cinematographer say they need more time? Did the costume department ask for more budget? I'll, I'll, I'll love to all of these departments. But, you know, for somebody to be there with you and to listen to you and actually be there to vent, it could be, you know, yeah. Your, your partner could be a family member, a friend, but a professional is probably the best. Having yep. someone there to help you through that is going to be so important. And also knowing how to pick up the pieces. You know, when you know, you know if you've ever been to art class, yeah, it's just a mess. It's a mess everywhere. All the tables are full of paint and all that stuff. But you know, when our class is finished, you got to clean up. And I, I see yes. some artists who don't clean up before they go ahead and do their next production. And it just kind of bleeds into the paper. You oh, know, I, love that. That I love that. I love that. Both a- literally and figuratively. I know which, exactly what you mean. It's kind you know of like, because I, I take it literally in the sense, like my workspace needs to be clear before, mm-hmm. like, you know, how you end the night, you know what I mean? You're, you're done working. And then tomorrow morning's a, tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. Clean your station. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, it won't be like, oh my God, why is everything cluttered? And this is like, I have OCD that way, right? So it's like, don't get so overwhelmed. But also figuratively, like you said, it's like whatever you're kind of struggling with your project, like the current project you're dealing with, the next one you approach it, see how you'll change your ways, right? Like how how else uh, you'll approach it differently. Um, that's so true. And I love that you encourage uh, the concept of going to a therapist. Uh, that's something that uh, I, I actually have been curious myself, like, Again, speaking to someone, like maybe getting their different insights, because uh, sometimes we we're become so insulated, right? We're we're always like in our caught up in our minds, um, especially like you know, I was explaining to you my line of work, my bread and butter kind of thing. <laughs> One time, I was just editing videos at home. That was all I was doing. I was still like making my own projects, filmmaking, whatever. But it was far in between, right? Uh, maybe on the weekends, I was, I was lucky. Um, so when you're just home all the time, you don't realize like the drastic effects it could have on your mental health. Mm-hmm. um but also like speaking about like getting caught up in your own mind you know i talked about talked to you about like you know criticism and like kind of dealing with uh discouragement and mm-hmm. not knowing like you know how far to go with something um why do you think artists do you believe should maybe create uh boundaries for themselves um when they're putting out their pieces of content or showcasing their work to the public like touching on what you were saying about um having the courage to put out your own first piece of content yeah, and to be honest with you, if, if I can say this, like sometimes as an artist, I can critique myself and like if somebody else critiqued myself the way I critique myself, I'd be like, yo, that person's a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just keep it honest. Yeah, like, oh, I know, I know. Better, we're like, we're our hard, exactly hardest critic. It's the yeah. worst because you know exactly where, you're, you know exactly where your weak spots are. No one else who can throw a cheap shot the way you can. Um, exactly. I do want to put a plug in for therapy, which is, when yes. I was younger, when I was like maybe in my teens, early 20s, and I yes. had more time on my hands, okay, I would actually go and wander. I don't want to say wander the streets, <clears> but I'd spend a lot of time just like in places. For example, like Kensington Market. And i just go ahead and meet strangers. And imagine having really interesting strangers that you can talk to with completely different walks of life that are not there to judge you. Those are the types of conversations that are really cathartic and you can learn a lot from. But now imagine instead of a random stranger who might be you know, on one, you're actually speaking to a professional who not only knows the tools to help you, but also is a stranger and is not there to judge you because they have no bearing in your actual life. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, so support therapy, definitely. Um, to come back to the criticism part, it is so easy for you to judge yourself. And because you were there and you, only you really know what you had in mind. 
So you can be like, for me, my thing is, my, my biggest problem is I look at the movies, I've looked at a lot of my movies, and I'm like, what I pictured in my mind was so much more magnanimous than what is actually <laughs> on screen. And yeah. that is a problem. And the only problem who is, the only person creating this problem is you. Because no one else knows what is going on in your mind. Everyone right. else can appreciate what you've made rather than what the intention was. Got so it. because of that, sometimes when you go along the path of making a film, you have to realize that your intentions might change and what you had originally and what you have now might be completely different for you to accept where you are now and accept this as the end product. I set out to bake this cake bar, Martha Stewart. I got something back that looked like Rachel Ray. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and eat it and enjoy it anyways. Got it. No, I love that. Um, the, the fact that, uh, you know, I've had those experiences, right? Like you'll watch a film or you'll watch something that you've created yourself and you're saying, this isn't how I envisioned it. Um, but I love, that's what I love about your positive attitude. It's like, you'll know uh, what pieces you need to kind of like fix uh, for the next time, but also be gracious about the whole opportunity. Um, that's something that I kind of take away from you is like, you're always <laughs> showing, displaying gra gra gratitude um to these uh kind of situations because at the end of the day it's like we have the privilege we have the opportunity to pursue what we desire right as much as like we work hard for it um there's a lot of people with different circumstances that um, are not fortunate enough um so like the gratitude that you uh kind of display uh for the people that you work with uh and the audience that you share your work for um is really really uh honorable and admirable I, I really appreciate that. And, and the truth is, is that we are so blessed. Like, honestly, we are yeah. so blessed yes. to be in a country with so much freedom, to be in a place where we're, you know, in, I guess, coming towards the prime of our lives of as filmmakers, as people with networks, mm -hmm. as people who have the health to produce, like to go ahead and produce this. And I, I was watching something and they said, like, you, uh, Warren Buffett would trade places with you because you've got the time and the vitality. Yeah, because if you go ahead and you make you know hundreds of billions of dollars, you can't get the next fifty years of your life back. No. So looking at time as one of our most uh, valuable assets, I think is is definitely great. Um, the other thing I want to come back to here is when it comes to doubts, we'll never be happy if we're just chasing highs, and we That's have true. to realize that you know life is highs and lows and when it comes to volatility artists have the most volatility you think about That's the so passion of a starving artist you think about like a movie like taxi driver like these movies where people are like <laughs> literally on the edge yeah so life is really a measure of your highs and lows yeah and for uh you know for an artist to be able to stay even keel and to realize that life will be a series of highs or lows or like i'm either getting out of a crisis i'm about to go into a crisis or i just finished a crisis if you want to look at it that way, life is a series of rises and falls. And um, for you to really be able to accept that, take whatever criticism that comes with it and still kind of roll with the punches, that's probably going to be most important for you to maintain your 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 buoyancy in this ocean of art. Yeah, no, I love that because the, the reason why I know for my fact, <laughs> for a fact, why I'm guilty of this is the reason why we struggle with uh, self-doubt and the you know negative criticism we put upon ourselves is because we have this, you know, romanticized notion that uh, life is supposed to be about happiness. And if it's not, then mm -hmm. uh, you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. But like you said, life is about pain, life is about suffering, just as much as it is about happiness. And there are going to be ups and downs, like, it's so crazy to me, like, even when I'm on a high, like a flow, um, there are days that surprise me where it's like, Oh, my God, there's another issue that came up. 
know what I mean? That kind of ruined this two day streak. And I realized, no, that's life. You know what I mean? There's always going to be something uh, mm-hmm. that's going to surprise you for better or for worse. So I, I love that actually. Um, the more we embrace it, the more we'll be at peace with uh, the craft we pursue uh, wow. and wow. with ourselves, right? Wow, really well way to put it. Just to repeat Thank that. You. The more that we embrace it, the more that we make peace with ourselves. It's kind of like, you know, when you're sick, you have a fever. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, I'm not sick. I'm good. But then really, when you go ahead and you lay down in bed and you are at one with the sickness, that's how you recover from the sickness. You know what I mean? I love that. That's some deep shit. All right. Anyways. No, no, um, I love that. No, that's great, man. And, um, you know, I just love that we're sharing both similarities um many similar sorry i love that we're sharing many similarities uh that have been established throughout this conversation um you know and one of them that i want to bring up now uh because i've a founder um and operate 94 productions incorporated yeah yeah yeah. and you were uh touching on yes yes and you were touching on your own production company uh renergy media house and Mm -hmm. i want to know like how this uh came about like what are the events that inspired the inception of your creative enterprise most definitely. I'd like to first say that I'm really grateful to all the people around me. Renergy awesome. Media House is a collective of freelance artists. So you might need something simple like, hey, I need some headshots. Okay, well, listen, I'm working my day job and I love what I do, but I got this person who loves taking headshots. And so I'm going to hook you guys up so you guys can work together. Therefore, we can take on small contracts where everyone is able to do what they love, right. which is ultimately the goal. But then at the same time, we're able to go ahead and form and, you know, make uh, mega Zoid and, you know, go ahead and um, combine our efforts to make something like production, whether it's a music video, commercial or film. Therefore, everyone is able to get paid to do the things they love because we have people who love the things they do. And all I got to do is you ever you ever play that game where there are those cards upside down and you got to match like. The, this this card and this card, you got to match them together. Yeah. You ever play that stuff? 100%. So I feel like some of Renergy Media House, my job as the owner is to connect people who need art and the people who love the art that they make, got put it. them together. Um, I also want to, because I've been really lucky to get to where I am and I've had a lot of mentors. So these people who help bring me up, I've realized if they brought me up, it should be my responsibility to help bring the next generation up. Um, over the past few years, I've taken on a role as a producer. Okay. So that's like helping different young directors, like, um, like some people on our team to be like, Hey, you know what? No one's been able to put you on. So here I will go ahead and help fund this project for you. I will go ahead and fund, find people to do these things for you. And as a result, they're able to now, you know, make their own waves. Um, the only thing that I can hope is that one day they'll be very famous on stage and uh, they won't forget the forget the street, this space over here. But um, no, there's definitely sure. some challenges with that. I mean, number one, you know, obviously being a director, one of the major challenges, in my opinion, is like heating up the kettle, making sure that everybody is on the same level of, of hotness and mm-hmm. fire towards your project. So that could be like making spec ads, making trailers, making some kind of pitch where everyone is able to see your vision. Because if everyone's able to see the same vision, it's just much easier for us to operate. Um, it's true, man. Sorry, I forgot. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I need to have a little bit more tea because I forgot your original question. What was the? Original oh no worries, yeah. man. It's uh, I just wanted to know, like, uh, you kind of like shed some light on it. Um, you know, speaking about your whole uh story about gratitude with all the uh creative uh, individuals that you've uh, kind of acquired um and surrounded yourself with. But I just wanted to know exactly, like, the creative enterprise itself, or Energy Media House. 
like what events, like what inspired you um, to to create this this company? Like, why did you even start in the first place? Yeah, well, the great thing is, is that, you know what, when you find people who are going in the same direction as you, mm -hmm. you want to travel with them. Right. So if I know this is the area I want to go into and I've got these people to go with me, it makes the journey a lot more enjoyable and I get to have a lot more, uh, I guess you could say capabilities. Because right. I've, got, I've got some friends who are like, I love art, but I suck at negotiating, so I never make money. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let me help you with this so you can got get it. this out of it. And for me, it's like, oh, hey, I suck at drawing storyboards, but I've got somebody on the team who loves to do it. When we can all work together in that way, we actually create uh, a unit. And that really, when, when people have a united goal and vision, that's what allows people to have certain amounts of, you know, connective energy and a mastermind alliance. Like yeah. you take one battery, it can power your remote. You take batteries and you link them in series. You can create enough battery to power your whole house. That's yeah. the idea of Energy Media House. And um, shout out to everybody <laughs> in the house. And it's always a backstory with the name. I love it. <laughs> it's never like, well, nah, just it's Renji yeah. Lee Media. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it's just me. I mean, that's that's boring. But the, the but, one thing yeah. I want to say is no one person can do everything as a director. You know this. Yes, of course. No one person could do everything, but everybody can do something. Right. I love that. Right, let me come back to you. Nine four productions. Tell me about that. Yeah, I know it's not just about the year you were born. It's not just the year on the, the, the license. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I'm I'm glad uh you know me. I'm always happy to discuss 94 Productions. Talk to me. And the uh the backstory behind it. Um no, for me, again, obviously it was the year I was born. So I wanted to show some pride in that. Um, and the concept with that is like individuals like yourself, when you recognize 94 and oh hey, I was born 94. Uh for me, yeah, there I have a lot of friends and supporters uh growing up. So um, when they see the 94, uh, anyone that was born in that year could have some sort of resonance with that. Um, I don't know. There's like a sentimentality I was trying to play off of. Uh, and it seems to be working because there are individuals that uh, have a sense of pride when they see my work and they're part of the same year. They, they kind of see that. So that's what one aspect that I was kind of uh, striving toward. Right. Uh, but the other aspect uh, that I derived from why 94 existed is uh, Quentin Tarantino is my hero. And mm. I often discuss him on the podcast. Uh, you know, and one day I hope to meet him and, you know, just share my enthusiasm, like what he did for me, uh, not so much his films, um, but like I, his films, are, yes, are definitely a big component. But I mean, what he represents, you know, what he could do, um, the, the rebel, the outsider, the guy that didn't know anybody in the film business, um, but made it on the tenacity and the conviction within himself uh, that he could do it. And obviously he's talented and he's a brilliant man, but that's it right like he once said on howard stern like i walk into my house sometimes and i'm just baffled at the fact that i paid for all this with my mind you know what i mean and that to me uh speaking of legacy is uh, that just overtakes me you know what i mean like yeah. i going back to my family growing up with like you know immigrant mentality everyone's doctor lawyer no offense to those professions um and i <laughs> i'm lucky enough uh to, to even pursue them myself the way I perceive it is anyone could do those professions in reality. Um, like everyone can be a certain way, but being a filmmaker, um, now I'm not saying everyone could be a filmmaker, but I'm saying being Daniel Calderon, only I can do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like my films that I create, like yeah. Tarantino, like the films that I revere from him, only he could do that. Yeah, and there's yeah. something special um, and that's something sacred uh, that holds close to him, right? That makes him a legacy, makes him a legend. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's something that I'm fondly, you know, endlessly, I mean, fa fascinated with that, that I, that concept of leaving behind a legacy because marketing, I studied marketing. You could be a marketing coordinator. You could be 
kinesiologist, but there'll only be one Renji Lee, the filmmaker, right? Like the films you produce are an extension of you. And there's only one person, which is you that can see it through. So that's how I see it. And that's what actually motivates me each day is that everything I do, only I can do it. You know what I mean? I no one else can replicate statement. it. I think it's beautiful. Thank but you. let me go ahead and ask you this, okay? Yes, it's yes. 2053. You're now, uh, you know, uh, a, a world-renowned filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> you see somebody with their production company, and it's named 23 Productions. Yes. And they said, hey, I watched Daniel Calderon's stuff when I was a kid, and he made this stuff in 2023. And because of that, I decided to make this production company called 23, because I was born in 2023. 2053 right. they're 30 and they're talking to you saying i got to meet my idol when i was uh, a kid how would you feel about that because now you're in quentin's shoes you know what i'm saying oh yeah i, I love thank you so much <laughs> putting a huge grin on my face because it's like no one's ever asked me that uh i've obviously like asked wondered that myself like oh i wonder if that ever would happen for me um yeah man i would just be um overblown with gratitude like i just the 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 situation itself i can't even conceptualize but i just know i i I would know how to handle it. I'm hoping that this podcast uh, would still be running by that time. I know it will because I'll make it happen. Yeah, um, you know, put any, every energy, every thought into it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the whole concept behind the podcast is even as I'm established, I'll bring on like the way I envision it is like someone like, um, you know, that's aspiring creative, you know, they're just starting out, but like sitting next to like, I don't know, Steven Spielberg or like uh, Renji Lee, like more established filmmaker. Wow. And just seeing, do you know what I mean? Like the dyna dynamism between them uh, converse. So what I'm saying is that if that person would have come up to me and say that, I'm the kind of guy that said, let's get you on the podcast and talk about your story. Mm -hmm. And he'd be, even be more gratified because he'd be like, holy shit, I'm on a podcast with Daniel Calderon, Corner Talks podcast, talking about this dream. And I would have like another like celebrity director or another actor or just someone I also revere that would be on that Um corner talking to him as well right like just having those conversations i would never like make these people unseen like if i see it's genuine what i'm getting at if i see these people really did come from nothing really start from the bottom or just really have a passion for film and i'm the one that sparked it yeah, yeah. yeah you you better believe i'm gonna see it all the way through and help you out as best way i can right now my resources are limited <laughs> my yeah. wealth uh, is only so much mm -hmm. but um i really have a big heart i got it from my mom and it's like i'm gonna do everything i can in my power to to help those people that will come up to me and say you know i'm uh, you're an inspiration to me thank you so much you know for doing what you do and what you're doing is you're perpetuating a cycle of positivity yes because you make sure because someone's definitely done it for you and because somebody was there for you you get to be there for the next generation and as i'm getting older you know i'm approaching my 30s too but of i'm course, just thinking yes. what can i bring to the next generation i'll tell you the story real quick which is yes. i had somebody from my last production it was this actress and it was her first time acting and she called me like two two weeks later and i'm like hey what's up she's like everything okay she's like yeah i just want to let you know i dropped out of university and now i want to become an actress full-time and i'm like oh geez so i realized i'm like these people whose lives that we shape whether we know it or not we i'm not saying we have to but we should feel a certain sense of responsibility so i'm like okay how can I help you? Because you you dropped out because some, of something I did indirectly. I don't know how your parents feel about this, but let me find a way to put you on. And for me to give back to them, maybe, you know, 20 years down the line, they'll be able to give back to the next generation of actresses. And um, I don't know, like, let me, let me ask you, have you, do you felt like, have you ever impacted somebody so much with your productions before where you were like, man, I came to shoot a movie, but you got something completely different out of this. Like, tell me about something like that. Maybe yeah, no, I, I'm, thank you for asking. I, uh, <laughs> I definitely had more of those uh, encounters uh, quite recently. 
Um, which again is assurance to me that I'm on the right track and <laughs> I'm pursuing exactly what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I would come to mind as there have been some, uh, actors or like, uh, people even recently me DMing me, like saying, Hey, mm-hmm. could you like orchestrate, the, help me, uh, develop this project or be the director for this project? Mm-hmm. Um, even when I work with them on set, they say like, you know, you're just seeing like how elated they are just uh by my work you know what i mean like i'm again i'm no god or anything like that it's just like some people like the way they revere me um i i just i I forget who i am like i i'm crazy enough to believe i can make this dream happen and i'm very uh, cocky when it comes like when i talk to myself Mm -hmm. and you need that a bit you need a little bit of like um conviction like that arrogance i mean like to to get what you want what you desire because no one else is going to do it for you but when it's like spoken to me you know what I mean? Like if you, if I come up with a film, like in a year or two years time and you come back to me, like, yo, you're a genius, bro. Like, if you say that to me, I'll, I'll like turn red and be humble about it and like say, no, 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 don't worry. Like, it's just something I put together. Like I, w- I wouldn't even know how to react to it. So I guess back to your question, like, you know, having those people surround, be surrounded by like constantly like upping my game and telling me like, you know, this is amazing. And like, uh, you got to keep going with this dream. You have something special. Um, I have people telling me like, you'll be the next Martin, Martin Scorsese. Like when I, I'm, when I, yeah, like I'm serious. When I hear that, it's like, I just, again, back to what you were saying about 2020, 2053 kid coming up to me, whatever. Like it's nice and all I get goosebumps, but I just can't even conceptualize it now. Cause it's like, I don't, I'm not even like where I want to be now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. It's like, I'm still trying to figure out these small things. Like I'm still trying to figure out this podcast edit when I finish <laughs> wrapping up with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't even conceptualize that far ahead. You know what I mean? But life is definitely full of um unexpected turns and this is what i mean by for better or for worse um the pendulum swings both ways as tarantino once said and something that was relieving for me is that my 20s have been very tumultuous yes i had a lot of highlights um but for the most part man like it's been very dark and very gritty um i have i struggle with a lot of like mental health um just been anxiety and stress and life didn't really like pan out uh, in certain areas the way I wanted to. And, you know, that's just my perspective, but doesn't mean I'm not, I shouldn't be grateful. Right. Uh, but I'm trying to get at is I believe that as you pursue something that you, you care about more than yourself, like something that's greater than you um, the world will come together. And back to my hero, Tarantino, he had the same situation in his twenties. He had it worse off, you know, he's working minimum wage. He had to pay rent and like he had his own struggles. Right. But he said, as soon as like his twenties ended, and his, he approached his 30s. And he made Reservoir Dogs when he was 30, 31. That's mm-hmm. when everything changed for him. And his life took off. And that people gave him more respect. People, you know, treated him um, the way he, he always saw himself. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. felt understood wow. for yeah. once. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I don't need, it's not like I'm doing these films to get like a recognition from people. It's just like, I've often felt very un- misunderstood. Um, like oh, the yeah. quirky, weird guy that like yeah, loves yeah. film. But uh-huh. I'm telling you, like, if everything happens and unfolds the way I envision it, it's like people won't see me that way. You know what I mean? People will see me um, the way maybe you see me or the way I've always seen myself. So I'm really like, um, I'm really like optimistic about the future and, and what it could happen. Because when he said that quote, pendulum swings both ways, is that your my 20s were garbage. Like no one, no one gave me uh, the attention or gave me the satisfaction I thought I deserved. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when I finally did something for myself and I and I made something of myself, that's when everything changed, right? So it's like, I just have this like uh, this dark energy about me. <laughs> you know what I mean that I'm, I'm just I'm doing this for myself, but I'm also doing this uh, because I got to prove something also to myself. You know, you know, you got you kind of got that monkey on your back, which is also a great motivator. If we yes. can take some of that, you know, of some of those 
negative emotions and transmute them into energy that we can use to work ultimately you know that is is also a great motivator but i want to come back to what you said about the what kind of impact because i just thought of this i just thought of this while you were talking really there's three things that we leave behind as filmmakers that leave an impact number one the vision that we have on a project yeah. number two the character that we have on set as a director as a leader as yes. somebody who's you know walking and nursing this this project into inception then there's number three which is the impact that we leave behind with our films so you don't know quentin you probably saw his film first and you said oh my god that was impactful then you found out about the person and you're like this guy is really uh, a character and he's got these traits that i really admire then the third thing which we kind of worked backwards in was we now understand the vision that he had maybe by reading the script, maybe by understanding the behind the scenes stuff. So really these are three things that we do, whether it's, you know, like something that we have in our mind, we conceptualize in the past, something that we act on in the present or leaving the film and having residual effects and impacts from the film as we go on and move on with our, uh, as our careers. I remember um, our first feature that we showed, um, we showed it in Cineplex and afterwards these old Macedonian ladies came and she's like, thank you for showing what my childhood was like. And I'm like, dude, I don't know you. I'm like, I don't know what your childhood is like. I know what the film was like. I know what we shot, but to know that you actually went through this, it just, I, I don't really know what to think or say about it. I'm just, it resonated yeah. with it. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. You never know what the effects of what something you do today is, which is why it's so important for us as artists to be intentional. Yeah, and I and that was beautifully said, man. And, and again, back to not just film, any creative outlet we pursue, like again, this podcast. Yeah, there are yeah. many times when I wanted to just, you know, wipe my hands. I'm telling you, man, like, I weren't getting, I wasn't getting guests. It was very complicated scheduling people. People would flop on me. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot out of my day to edit, to come up with captions, the questions, yeah, as yeah, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, the other day, like someone messaged me and says, like, uh, you know, I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and it really helped me like out of wow. a depression. Uh, because like there's a lot of creatives I see like that are on my level and you know I, I just want to know I want you to know like I listen to it every day and like uh, thanks for doing it and I'm like wow like if I stop you know what I mean I'm cutting I'm cutting a, an access point to someone right like yeah. there are people that I, I get that more and more as I do it where it's like this podcast is clearly like serving to people now again not everyone probably listens to every episode um, but just, again another context someone else that I uh, haven't talked to like in over three years he reaches out and says hey like you know I have a potential um you know, uh, connection for you. Uh, my friend owns a production company. And I said, Oh, that's great. Like, he's like, yeah, you, should, you guys should connect. I haven't heard from him in three years. And then in the follow up text, he goes, I listen to your podcast every day, man. And he's like, this industry is tricky, but uh, and it requires a little bit of luck. But I believe you got it and just keep going, whatever, right. So it's in other words, this podcast, being an extension of myself, like this creative outlet, he's able to have that access that the, the viewpoint of like the way I function, the way I view yeah. uh, the yeah. where my mind works, you know what I mean? Like how I, how I perceive the world, you know what I mean? For you to change one person, even if that person is yourself is changing the world. So you going ahead and saving one person's life to me, that's the equivalent of you saving all of humanity. Yeah. So, that's I true. mean, you got to keep, you know, and, and it's, it's like, you know, especially lighting, like, you know, when you drive, you drive. Yeah. Yeah. You of go course. ahead and you drive, you drive on the highway yeah. and you notice that there's one light here or like, let's say you have one street lamp here and you've got yeah. another one down there Yeah. in between the street lamps, there is almost no darkness. And so when you go ahead and you act as a beacon for somebody, 
you're leading them through this time in their life. Maybe they were depressed and then they went ahead and they looked at your podcast and they were driving down the highway and it's dark and they're lost and you were that street lamp for them. And you know what? The truth is, is that we'll never know how we impact the world fully. And I think there's something beautiful about that, which yeah. is, um, I don't know, it just, it kind of excites me because I'm going to do what I do and whatever impact it gets from you, like hopefully it's the same as my intention, but just knowing that I've changed somebody, you know, halfway around the world who I don't even know, something magical about that well the way, yeah well the way i look at it i often think about this probably every day is that moment when i meet tarantino right and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. i shake his hand and i tell, talk to him i don't know who he is how he's going to be in person but again if my career unfolds the way i envision it right since i was a little boy and all these projects that i'm writing and developing right now they're the way they're received right and he sees me as this wow this is like the next filmmaker of his generation and I tell him, like, you're the guy that inspired me to, to pursue my craft. Like, I get emotional just thinking about it. It's like, what would that feel like? You know what I mean? To receive that. Like, think about it. He doesn't know me for like 30 years. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden, the film all fiction on the year I was born that was released, he would say like 30 years later, like inspired this kid to like pursue his own dream. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's, it's like you said, it's resounding. It's uh, something to, to definitely... Um, to think about <laughs> and that's real legacy and i hope that quentin does see this episode one day and yeah <laughs> is able to go ahead and put you on i just think that 100%. you know if you have something in your mind and you work your way towards it no matter where you go you're going to get closer and closer to that so for me personally like um i love tarantino too i don't know if there is any specific director i i definitely think quentin is one of them but like i, I don't know if there's any directors who i'd be like wow, I'm really inspired by you right now. Um, I think that I'm really inspired by a lot of writers. I find that writing and like text. Oh yeah, that's like, fine. Everyone has their source yeah. of inspiration, man. That's and But that's what I meant why I had to kind of clarify why Tarantino is this hero. It's not entirely his films. It's because there's other filmmakers I revere. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I love like Steven Spielberg, Scorsese, uh, David Fincher. Great directors, right? Out there and writers as well, like Aaron Sorkin. Um, so but at the same time, yeah. right? Sorkin's great. But at the same time, it's like Tarantino fits the bill for me because it's what he embodies. Like it's just everything. Like this guy didn't quote yeah. in film school. This guy yeah, was yeah. in a rut in his twenties. Yeah. Now, again, people might say, really? Like, cause people get this misconception about me. Like, you really had it that bad. And it's like, trust me, man. Like, I'm not like everybody else. Like, I'm 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 a very odd, like, you know, quirky kind of individual that uh, had a lot of like letdowns with friends and relationships and things like that. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is that this is all I love, like film and craft. And so what I'm saying is I, re I relate to him in that aspect. So when he says he turned it around through the ten tenacity of, of pursuing his dreams and, you know, he, he made it happen all with the conviction of his heart. You know what I mean? Like he didn't know anybody. He literally didn't know anybody, man. And that's me. I didn't know anybody. I can't like you. I didn't, I came from nothing in a sense, like a middle-class family, very simple, very modest, mild mannered. And I make them fearful every day because they don't, they, they've never seen a child of their family, like pursue something so um, unconventional mm -hmm. and to have me like prove them wrong every day and like go after something with my, all because I have a conviction in my heart that it could all turn around, you know, and we could all come together. It's a, it's a, it's a highly impressive to them. Right. It, it, it's a, it's a beautiful um, sentiment. So yeah, man, I, I just wanted to to make that notion clear. Like um, when I say my hero is Tarantino, it's yes, it's yeah. the filmmaking. It's I love yeah, his yeah, films. Yeah. Still remember that feeling when I watched Django Unchained, but it's what he represents um, to me, and um, I, I I know it. I'm gonna pursue it where 
I'm going to get him on this podcast one day, man. And it's going to be the, the episode that's going to blow up this, this like platform because <laughs> it's good. If you've been following me from like when I started and like, just to see like my transformation and my progress, how crazy would it be to finally have a hero on and like to just explain to him, like how much he meant to me. You know what I mean? It would be probably, I, I don't want to say it would probably be the best episode because this one would be the best episode <laughs> when we drop. Please do check it right, out on exactly, YouTube and yeah. all social media sites. But what I want to say to you, man, is like when it comes to you and the support. Yes. Us weirdos, we got to stick together, man. We do. we do. And the people who really understand what it's like to go through art. We have to be a lot more empathetic with each other and yes. we have to be a lot more supportive of each other. When, when my friends got a show, I got to make sure I go and show up to show them the same love they're showing me to come back to that gratitude, that attitude of gratitude, making sure that we can support the people who are supporting us is probably one of the best things we can do. And the truth is sometimes the people who love you the most aren't the people who are going to support you the most. No. The people who might not know you at all might be the people who support you the most. No. And for us to be open to that invitation of, Hey, let's go ahead on this journey together. I find that's going to be the most important thing uh, for me going forward is, you know, making sure that if could, if you work with good people on your sets, it almost doesn't feel like work. It just feels like you're just having a project, school project, having fun, going that's back exactly, to those vibes, right? You know that's what exactly mean? what happened on the last project I worked on. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding you. Like as I cultivate this network of yeah. uh, people I want to work with, yeah, yeah. Uh, I start to see the resounding effects of like the positive effects um, of being surrounded by them. Like the, the environment I, I've, I've cultivated and proudly so, you know, yeah. just, just how everyone was so elated. Like, you know, we were all like together and in yeah. harmony and we we had hiccups um there were some negative moments where it's like you know timing is always a, a bitch when you're working yeah, yeah, with yeah. film excuse Always. my language right no no it's sorry. A your podcast yeah <laughs> yeah it's a bitch right no but uh no because we've been keeping it so like eloquently put and uh, <laughs> professional here um but the reality is yeah everybody that knows in filmmaking like time is your worst enemy out of everything but um we made it work and that's what's important uh everybody i dealt with no one was half asking no one was sitting down i don't want to do this everybody wanted to work and that's something that i wanted to bring back to your point renji is when i first started out you know actually like sitting down and making films like five years ago um in that short span because i've been writing since i was 20 but i actually like started being a director when i was like 25 okay or a little bit earlier than that yeah like 22 whatever whatever the math calculation is on that but <laughs> the point is is that uh to see these people i've worked with like these pas that are like 21 22 right when i first started um and to to be in that position that I was, I used to be like them, right? Like a shadowing, yeah, yeah. a great direct, like mm -hmm. someone that's more prominent in the industry. 100%. They were like just honored to be there. And I look at myself like, who the hell am I? Like, I haven't even gotten yeah. a feature film yet. Like I've yeah, yeah, only yeah. been making shorts, you know, my whole story. Right. Yeah, yeah. And for them to tell me like, like just to see them like, Oh, I need that light change. And like five guys rush to it and change it. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's, that's amazing, but it's not power to be taken advantage of. See, I don't have an ego where it's like, yeah. I'm in control. I listen to literally everybody, even the guy. Catering. Yeah. It's yeah. like, how can we fix this? Like some guy will suggest an idea. I'll listen. Now, if I like your idea, I'll use it. Um, and if I don't, I, I respectfully, exactly. I, I feel the same way, my friend. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to just take people like people often confuse me as like, uh, Oh, like you have that arrogance. You don't want to take my idea. It's like, buddy, everything is in service of the story. I really couldn't give a shit. If hmm. you're, you have a brilliant idea. I, by all means, I'll credit you in the, in the, in the credits, but it has to work. And you have to explain to me why it's going to work. And I have to feel it why it's going to work. You know what I mean? Because everything I do, every, every piece of feedback I provide, there's always a intelligible explanation behind it. There's not like, Oh, it's shit. You know what I mean? It's no, like, why is it shit? Tell me. And if you can't yeah. provide that, then I can't use it. You know what I mean? So just uh, touching on that criticism, it's like, we gotta, yeah. we gotta look out for that. But 
back to your point, man, like definitely got to, got to be, uh, grateful for the people that we surround ourselves with and just seeing how far we progress in the career. hundred percent. And just to go shout out to all the volunteers who come and help out on both of our productions, you volunteers that you make ourselves whole. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to shake your hand, come look at the monitor, come have some coffee. We are all humans. Although we might be on different levels in this, you know, film hierarchy, we are all humans. We all breathe the same air, bleed the same blood. Yeah. So in the end, when we come together, like we're not better than you. We just have more experience. Things might be different, but shout out to all of our PAs, all the people who come and help us. And uh, I, the other thing I want to say is as friends, as people, when, when you're suffering, you should. I'm inviting you. It's an open invitation. You got my number now. Call me. 100%. I'll make time in my schedule to talk Thank to you, you sir. Because, you, you know, we're, we got to work together. And uh, yeah. I'm hoping to see you at the top. And um, please Thank let you, me sir. know if there's something I can do to collaborate. Again, Thank you so much for having me. I actually just got a text from my mama. She's like, "Hey, can you drive me to Walmart?" Because I got her, I got her a Walmart gift card for. Because awesome. uh, I bought my mom something for Christmas, and she's like, nice. "Oh yeah, this is great, but it's too expensive." So she went to refund <laughs> it. She went to refunded my gift. She's like, "Here's the receipt. The money will go back on your credit card." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm yeah." I'm on, I'm on. Like, moms i don't know why we can't please them with the gift like it's always something wrong they got to return it or it wasn't just right so yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I feel you on that man and uh honestly yeah i i hope to see you at the top too i know we will we'll both see each other at the top and we'll both uh be there to uh celebrate uh our successes uh, i really look forward to like you know connecting even if it is just a drink to catch up you know uh, create a friendship and uh seeing a collaboration through uh, I think that would mean the world. And um, yeah, this has been probably, I'm not kidding you, Renji, like one of the most insightful, engaging conversations I've had in a while. Um, you know, just being able to have this platform, that's what I'm truly grateful for, you know, to discuss uh, all our journeys and experiences and our trials and tribulations. No, no, I really appreciate it, man. And uh, we we do have some other projects. Like uh, we actually have a music group as well. So besides nice. film, we have a music group. There you go. We have an album coming <laughs> out. Subsidiary. <Some> <laughs> I love it. We actually, we, we have some, we're looking yeah. to, to, to get the funding into our account but awesome for, for example i had a film i was a uh, i was acting right if i'm acting i realize i'm not i'm no mel gibson i can't act and direct so now right. i got somebody but if you could do like, hey, yeah. I, I know i can count on you because this is what you love doing yeah i'm gonna put you in that position so i can go ahead and excel at my position hey why not yeah i'll write and direct your role for sure <laughs> that's it man that's it buddy um, all right well renji yeah. really appreciate you coming on the podcast thank you again for sharing uh your insights uh from the industry and thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk soon.